Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you're blessed by this podcast, please subscribe. Once you're subscribed, you'll be able to stay up to date with all our latest messages. Now, let's join Pastor Tom Hughes as he looks at Revelation chapter 17. Is the New World Order real? Is there a group of elites waiting in the shadows to rule the world? In this study, Pastor Tom will address these questions and many more. Thank you, Craig. Hey, uh, listen, everybody, next week, uh, Olivier Melnick's going to be here. And uh, mark your calendars, invite friends next week, plural. It's going to be a great evening. Uh, Olivier is going to be talking about uh, some of the anti-Semitic things that are happening right now that have increased tremendously, the BDS movement. And if you've been paying any attention to what's going on in Washington, uh, we have certain congresswomen, plural, that have been... Uh, going against Israel. And uh, the whole thing that they're doing has to do with this BDS movement and uh, the boycott, divest, and sanction movement that is going on. So they brought it into the halls of Washington. And uh, Olivier Melnick is going to be here next uh, Sunday evening. It's a real treat to have him here from Chosen People uh, Ministries. And then we have a conference together. We're partnering with Chosen People up in Seattle in a few weeks. That's a Friday and Saturday, but we'll be here Sunday. But um, re- regardless, invite your friends next uh, uh, Sunday. They need to hear these things. If you don't know anybody that's Jewish, I would encourage you to invite them too. And uh, if you want to go to Israel, um, uh, Olivier Melnick is going to be uh, with me on a tour that we are going to have in June. And if that interests you, you can pick up one of these. Uh, we're going to be partnering together, heading up that tour in June. It's going to be a fantastic time. We're going to do river rafting on the Jordan River. The next day, we're going to get baptized on the Jordan River. So that's in the Jordan River. Yeah, river raft on, baptized in. It might all happen at the same time. I don't know, but uh, we'll find out. So let's uh, look at some news items. And, uh, and uh, I'm going to make this kind of quick because Revelation chapter 17, the rest of it, which we're going to finish tonight, is a loaded chapter. And we're going to be looking at this subject the New World Order. So this says, this person does not exist.com uses AI to generate endless fake faces. Uh, so artificial intelligence. So these people don't really exist that you're looking up there. Uh, at, uh, up there. That's fascinating. Artificial intelligence is, is generating these. The ability of AI to generate fake visuals is not yet mainstream knowledge, but a new website this person does not exist.com offers a quick and persuasive education. Go there and check it out. Uh, as we've discussed before, at The Verge, the power of algorithms like StyleGAN raise a lot of questions. On the one hand, there are obvious creative applications for this technology. Programs like this could create endless virtual worlds as well as help designers and illustrators. They're already leading to new types of artwork. Then there are the downsides. <laughs> yes, there are. As we've seen in discussions about uh, deep fakes, which use GANs to paste people's faces onto target videos, often in order to create non-consexual uh, pornography, the ability to manipulate and generate realistic imagery at its scale is going to have a huge effect on how mo- modern societies think about evidence and trust. Such software could also be extremely useful for creating political propaganda and influence campaigns. And it says, in other words, this person does not exist.com is just a polite introduction to this new technology. The rude awakening is coming later. So you look at that. This is technology, the world in which we live. And then, how many of you have been paying attention to all the different um, pestilence outbreaks that are going on in the world? I did a video of it. It was only about seven or eight minute video just the other day that was posted. And if you haven't seen it, I encourage you to watch it. And uh, it's, there are so many different types of diseases that are spreading all over the planet right now, including a major Ebola outbreaks that are taking place in parts of Africa that we aren't hearing about here in the United States. But you have measles, you have this typhoid thing, the typhus thing that's going on in uh, Los Angeles. I'm guessing, have, has anybody heard about that? Yeah, several of you. So th- this is crazy. Uh, they're looking at uh, the city hall shutting it down because of the rat infestation and the fleas bringing in the typhus and people being infected. And they're saying the, the problem is the trash piles are so enormous uh, uh, that uh, this is what's happening 
in major cities across uh, the United States. And uh, you look at San Francisco, we've talked about that before. You have, they have poop patrols. It's gross to clean the stuff up. I mean, you start, uh, it's costing millions and millions of dollars. So they want to clean up needles because there's all kinds of uh, hyperdermic uh, syringes that are all over the place now. People shoot up, they leave them there in the streets. So what do they do? They pay all these millions of dollars to clean up the streets of San Francisco, and now they're passing out two million more free syringes to people to shoot up. I mean, you look at what man does with his solutions to fixing the problems, you're thinking, man, uh, this is messed up. Nobody wants to turn to the Lord, but uh, this is a big deal. I wish I had time to get more into this. It's frightening. Considered now with the immigration problem that we have in America, there are over 20 million people that have never been vaccinated. That means they are susceptible to carrying all different types of diseases. So when you think of an outbreak in the recent past, you would think a person has uh, some type of virus, they get on an airplane, they infect everybody on the plane, and then it spreads to those people, it spreads to those people, and that was a frightening scenario, and it's very real too. This is 20 million people that have the potential to all be infecting everybody they come in contact with just in the United States. That doesn't mention Europe. And then you look at what's going on in Cuba and Puerto Rico and, and all these other places in South America. And, and uh, man, you start realizing, wow, Jesus said in the last days that pestilence would increase like birth pains upon a pregnant woman. And we're watching these things develop. And there's a lot of diseases too. It's this. Israeli Justice Minister, Trump peace plan calls for Palestinian state. All right? Pay attention to this. And this, this is Kushner in the Haaretz. Haaretz is an Israeli liberal publication. says Israel and Palestinians will have to compromise in upcoming Trump peace plan. And uh, so uh, the talk of the town is that uh, Trump, uh, you know, he moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem and he will enforce some painful requirements on uh, the Israeli Jews in the coming peace plan. So it's going to be interesting to watch all of this plays out. Uh, when you look at uh, the book of Isaiah, and we know that the leaders of Israel at the time when the peace plan comes about, they're going to enter into an agreement with death and with Hades, with Shul, and uh, it's going to be to their own destruction, Daniel chapter 9, which we'll look at in a few minutes also talks about this peace plan that is coming uh, to the area of Jerusalem, I believe, to divide the city of Jerusalem, and that's what these peace plans are all about. Again, I want to say this, seems like I have to say it every week, I'm not saying Donald Trump is Antichrist, but I, but I am saying this, the Antichrist will confirm a peace treaty, a, a, a treaty that's already in place, he's going to come along and make it strong, he's going to confirm, he's going to make it strong, he's going to make it work. So let's get into this subject right now, the New World Order, and uh, Revelation chapter 17, man, it is loaded, and uh, it's exciting, and uh, let's go. What do you say? Lord, we thank you for this time, and I ask that you would bless our time together. Help me to rightly uh, minister your word in this somewhat difficult chapter to understand that we would get it all of us here and all of those who are watching by video and uh, lord maybe bless our time in jesus name amen so let's look at the new world order and what is coming and what i would say is already uh, well on the way so let's recap where we were last time revelation chapter 17 verses 1 through 6 uh, we are introduced to the mystery babylon aka the harlot and uh, John, he saw a woman that was riding on a scarlet beast. Remember that? And the, the woman, uh, the beast, excuse me, was full of the names of blasphemy. And this beast had seven heads and ten horns. A weird looking beast. We're going to get into the seven heads and ten horns in a few minutes. So the woman turned out to be uh, the ancient and deadly religion whose roots were in the plains of Shinar, in the Tower of Babel. And then when God judged the Tower of Babel, remember that Nimrod was at the top, he was the king of that world order. God spread 
the people to the four corners of the earth, spread them throughout the world. He scattered them according to their languages. He broke up their languages so they couldn't have one voice anymore. Uh, but what we see rising up out of Europe, the people are saying the European Union, the globalist system, which we'll get into in a few minutes. We're, uh, we may have many, many languages, but we're going to have one voice again. Ever since the Tower of Babel, it's been that attempt to bring back the world into this globalist system. At the one time, it was one language, uh, one voice, then scattered to many different languages. Now, we may have many languages, but we are coming back. We're going to have one global voice. We have the New World Order in here, and we also have the religious system, the mystery Babylon uh, that is in here. This mystery Babylon, this religious system, uh, history shows us, is entwined fully into the history of humanity. We talked a lot about it last time, so I'm not going to get into all of that this time, but we can see her influence everywhere in the world. Uh, the influence of the mystery Babylon of verses 1 through 6 have influenced the Catholic Church and influenced the Protestant Church. A lot of people in the Protestant Church say, and not so fast, but let me tell you, it is. And currently it seems that much of the Protestant Church is being seduced by this harlot religion, as it is called here, by God. I'm not making this up. This is what God calls this harlot religious system in the last days. As religion in America is about the social justice religion and your happiness first, and you're allowed to bring Jesus into church fellowships as long as Jesus doesn't have the preeminence within the church. All these other things have the preeminence. You can talk about Jesus, but not, uh, don't make him um, the one to be glorified. And uh, so this is the system that we are already in today, and that uh, we're going to pick up from where we left off last time. So let's read. Ready? And it might seem a little confusing. I'm going to do my best to help us all to understand it, all right? So verse 7, John says, The angel said to me, this is after John sees the woman uh, drunk with the blood of the saints, and he sees the woman riding on the beast. John says, writes verse 7, The angel said to me, why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, uh, which has seven heads and ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. By the way, uh, those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life that means people who aren't saved. They're going to look at this during the tribulation system, and they're going to be, wow, this is an amazing thing. Praise God, if you're saved, your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you're going to be able to look at this like we are tonight and go, no, I know what this is, and I know what this is all about. Here's the mind, verse 9, which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven and is going to perdition. Sound a little confusing? Good, because I'm going to try and straighten it out. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. These are of one mind and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with Him are called chosen and faithful. Amen. And then He said to me, The waters which you saw, where the harlot sits, are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues, and the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts, to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind, and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. So what on earth is going on here? I think that we're going to be able to understand this, have a pretty good idea over the next few minutes. A few questions to answer. This, is, this first one is just a, a brief recap from last week. Who are the beast and the rider? Well, when a woman uh, rides a beast such as a horse, two things are happening here. 
One, the beast supports and empowers the woman. And if we remember last week, the woman is this mystery religious system, right? So she's riding the beast. And the woman also, she controls the beast primarily for direction and speed. So last week we saw that the woman represents the ultimate expression of the ancient mystery religion of Babylon. She will be a one world a church bringing uh, all religions into her big tent religion so this one world religion will ride the beast to power. Here's how it's going to work. And we can already see it forming now. Um, the, the one world government that's coming needs something to help get it into place so the world will accept it. It's going to be this religious system. So the, this one world government, which is the beast this woman is riding, um, is going to say, okay, let's go. And I will use this woman. Remember this woman from last time? She's called a harlot, a harlot religion. A harlot, a prostitute gets used and abused and then set aside. That is exactly what the New World Order is going to do. It's going to use this religious system, and then when it's done, we'll see in a few minutes, it's going to get rid of the religious system, but it's going to use the religious system to get the power that it wants over the peoples of the earth. Showed you this statue last time, this sculpture, outside of the EU offices in Brussels uh, of Europa riding the bull. It is not a quinky dink in my mind that uh, they just happen to pick a woman riding a beast. They may have not gone through the book of Revelation, but I think God wanted to make a point that his word is going to be fulfilled, and this is the direction that you are all going to go. Now, I also find this quite interesting. Um, Olivier Melnick, who's going to be here uh, next Sunday night, he wrote an article, it was published uh, nationally this past week, and he just says a few things as we keep in mind the religious system that has this attempt at bringing all of the world under its great big umbrella that the New World Order is going to use, all right? Now, listen to this. Now, last week you might have remembered, uh, last time, that I mentioned that the, um, the uh, uh, Pope had gone to Saudi Arabia. Did I mention that last time? I did? Okay, well, I, I know I said it somewhere, even if I didn't say it here. So he did. Anyway, anyways, to, to work out this, this whole thing. So... Uh, prophecy fulfilled, Pope and top imam sign agreement. I think it was at the UAE, actually. Uh, Olivier Melnick sees new document leading to one world religion. In the story, a man for all seasons, based on the life of Sir Thomas More, writes Olivier, the hero is portrayed as a man of principle envied by many of his contemporaries, including some of his rivals. Sir Thomas More was once described in these words, More is a man of angels' wit and singular learning, I know not his fellow, for where is the man of that gentleness, lowliness, and affability? And as time requireth, a man of marvelous mirth and pastimes is sometime of as sad gravity, a man for all seasons. He continues and says, Many around the world today see the current pope as a man for all seasons, but they are right in their assessments. And how does it all line up? But are they right in their assessments? And how does it all line up with Scripture? Pope Francis just co-signed a document with Al-Azhar Grand Imam Sheikh Ahmad Al-Tayeb, once named the most influential Muslim in the world, titled, Document on Human Fraternity for World Peace and Living Together. Ecumenically speaking, the document is a dream come true for mankind. And many have described it as a historical breakthrough. I would venture to say that it might be a biblical breakthrough, but not necessarily for the same reasons. I look at it, uh, this document for all of humanity, everybody being able to get along. And then uh, uh, one of the writers that I, that I read uh, often, he said this about the same document. On February 4, 2019, Pope Francis and Sheikh Ahmad al-Tayyib perhaps the most important imam in Sunni Islam, met in Abu Dubai to sign uh, a document on human fraternity for world peace and living together in the presence of leaders from all the religions of the world. The document encourages, listen to this, people of all beliefs to shake hands, embrace one another, kiss one another, and to pray with one another. So at the surface, it sounds great. But if you know what Revelation chapter 17 teaches, this is a huge problem. The document encourages peace between all religions and says all religions are the will of God. 
The document repeatedly uses the word God to refer to both Allah and the God of Christians uh, as though Muslims and Christians worship the same God. Sadly, the document never mentions Jesus. Kind of interesting, isn't it? The document says all religions are acceptable to God. And then he writes this, think mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and the abominations of the earth. I, I read that and I think, man, the, the whole thing. It just fits exactly where we are, uh, the woman riding the beast, the attempt at the, this whole ecumenical global religious system. That is what the woman is. Okay. Um, also, keep this in mind, in Revelation chapter 13, the false prophet appears as uh, a lamb with two horns. In other words, the false prophet who's going to be at the top of the religious system, he's going to be a partner with the Antichrist, but helping to direct the religious system in favor of the Antichrist, he's going to appear as a lamb with two horns, very Christian. He's going to appeal, just like this document, the way it says, everything but Jesus is in the document. I sure find that interesting myself. But look at this, uh, verses, uh, look at these verses again, verse 6 and 7 again. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints uh, and with the martyrs, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. Verse 7, but the angel said to me, why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has seven heads and the ten horns. So what on earth is going on? Well, next question we note is this. What is it that is causing John to marvel? Uh, the Bible doesn't say why John marveled, but as human beings, we can relate. If we saw a woman riding a beast, uh, a seven-headed <laughs> and ten-horned beast, drunk with blood, uh, we'd probably be marveling too. Uh, but the Greek word for marvel, it, 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 uh, it's thumazo, uh, and it's a connotation of admiration. So the angel, the angel is asking, why do you marvel? Or, or why are, are you in, uh, admiring this, this beast that you are looking at? The question implies that he doesn't understand why John sees this woman-beast duo as surprising or as anything impressive. John, well, what impresses you about this weird-looking creature? Then as if to underscore that, when you understand this better, the angel is saying, uh, you won't be so impressed. So the angel says to John, I'll tell you what the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her is, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. John is marveling what this beast is, and this woman sitting there in verse 8, the angel proceeds to tell and says this, the beast that you saw was and is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit, and it's going to go into perdition. That's weird. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not, they're going to be amazed. They're going to be like, wow. Will marvel whose names are not written in the, in, in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. So next question. You ready? We're going to get to the horns. We're going to get to the seven heads. We're going to get to all that stuff in just a minute. But next question is, is what kind of freaky beast is this? So this beast is a coming world government which the Antichrist will be the head of. Okay, so let's think of this so you don't get confused on this term beast. Uh, in the book of Revelation, the Antichrist is called a beast. Revelation 13, the first beast. Uh, the false prophet is also called a beast. And this global government or this new world order here is also referred to as a beast. So depending on the context of, this, uh, of the, the verse that you're reading, it's going to dictate which beast is being talked about. In this case, the animal is the beast. Um, think of it like this. You have in the New World Order, we're going to see this in just a minute, you have the New World Order, which is a beast, you have the Antichrist that sits on the top of the New World Order, which we'll get into a minute. Uh, in a minute, um, the Third Reich was a beast. Hitler was also a beast. If you think of it that way, you start to go, okay, uh, it starts to make uh, sense for me. And note this beast also ascends out of the bottomless pit. This indicates a satanic origin. 
Satan empowers and indwells Antichrist and his kingdom. It is demonically possessed kingdom. So you look at things like this. We heard the letter that was read a few minutes ago from this, uh, this person that wrote in and her heart's just breaking when she sees something like what happened in New York with the abortion law and then this with Virginia and also Vermont. Virginia governor defends letting babies die after birth. You look at that and you go, this is just unbelievable wickedness. How could you do that? What we have in the coming New World Order is a demonically in charge people led by the king of demons, a Satan himself empowering the Antichrist. And as we look at the world now, how could you say, let's have a post-birth abortion and that's good? How could you do it in New York uh, a minute before a baby is born, let's say uh, abort the baby and then light up the World Trade Center and then all these people in New York City celebrate and, and praise each other singing, yoo-hoo, woo-hoo, this is awesome. How could you do that if this is not demonically in charge things that we are witnessing? Some of the civil unrest that we are watching, some of the things that are going on in courthouses, some of the very things that are taking on, going on in Washington, D.C. right now, I can't explain it unless I look at it and go, these things must be demonically uh, charged. In Romans chapter 1, God says this, that the day will come when the people will be so debased in their mind, I will give them over to that. And it appears in America we've been given over to these things. And you look and you go, man. Uh, think back. It wasn't too long ago when Robin Williams uh, committed suicide. Very sad. You know, a very funny man. But I read some of the things that he had said. And he said uh, throughout his career there, were, there was times when he was on the stage performing and he, somebody else was speaking through him. And he knew it. Something was living inside of him, controlling him. And he said he felt that uh, while he was on the stage. He felt it in his life. And, he's, and the way it, it reads, it's like he was saying there was a demon inside of him. And you read that and you feel very sorry for him. And that was for entertainment purposes. But this whole thing here in Revelation chapter 17 is this new world order. It's the, it's the, it's the spiritual system that's at the top of it. It's the Antichrist. It's the false prophet. And I believe we are witnessing. I don't know how else to describe some of the things that we are seeing going on in America right now unless you can say, man, this whole thing is, is it's ascended out of the bottomless pit and it is possessing, these demonic influences are possessing people. Uh, and also we see here that this beast, it has seven heads and ten horns. So now it's going to start getting really tricky. Are you ready? Verse, let's look at verse 9 again. Here's the mind which has wisdom. So you got to have wisdom here. Put on your thinker. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come, and when he comes, he must continue a short time. So, next question. Um, what are the seven heads and the seven mountains? Uh, traditionally, Protestants have identified, this is a reference to Rome, uh, the city of seven hills, Rome is known as. Um, some say Constantinople or uh, Istanbul is what it's called now because that's also called the city of seven hills. Um, but I live in Hemet, California, and we have our own seven hills. And uh, so, you know, they can say whatever they want. So I'm just saying for all of those who are watching video, they're going, what? What's this Hemet, California place? <laughs> But so many say, uh, this is seven hills, so this must be a reference to uh, Roman Catholicism because it's uh, centered in Rome. But verse 10 begins, these are also seven kings. So what do you have? You have uh, seven heads, seven mountains, there are also seven kings. Now this is interesting, let's start putting this together. Because in the Bible, mountains sometimes symbolize kingdoms, I think that we're these are speaking of kingdoms here, the seven heads and the seven mountains. Uh, in Jeremiah, uh, Babylon is likened to a mountain. In Daniel chapter 2, the kingdom of Christ is uh, depicted as a mountain. Mountain seems to refer to kingdoms. Where there is a king, there is a kingdom. The woman sits on these seven kings or kingdoms, and they empower her, 
and she directs them. Again, look at verse 9. Here's the mind which has wisdom. There are seven heads. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits, and there are also seven kings. So I believe it's speaking of king slash kingdom. So now it's going to get even more interesting. You ready? So, um, what are the seven kingdoms then? Because verse 10 says this. Okay, now you got to count with me. you got to watch my fingers. Ready? Five have fallen. One is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. So how many is that? See, that was pretty easy. Wasn't that easy math? That's seven. Five have been. They have fallen. One is, the other, the seventh one, has not yet come. This is a total of seven. Now, some people believe that these represent various Roman emperors, uh, seven, uh, but I don't think that because it doesn't really fit with history. The context, as mountains, indicates that these are not just kings, but they are actual kingdoms also. So at the time that John wrote this, there were five kingdoms that in that day that were, and there was one kingdom that was. That is six, right? Okay, so let's look at this. The five that were Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, and Greece. Ah, but Rome, at the time that John wrote this, Rome was ruling. So what do we have? Five were, John wrote this about 90 to 95 A.D., Rome is, and there is a seventh kingdom that has not yet come. So, in, in 90 to 95 A.D. So he's referencing a future kingdom that is being talked about here that's associated with the beast of the last days. So the seventh kingdom is the new world order or the coming global government. Now at this point people say, they check out, you're just a conspiracy nut. I will admit I'm a nut. But I can get my, I can get the direction from the Bible and tell me what the Bible says. So when I look at some of the things that are going on today, it makes sense. I don't like what I see happening today, but it makes sense when I look at what is going on today. At the time that John wrote this, 90 to 95 AD, the seventh great power was still to come then, and it is still to come today. That power will be the new world order. I believe it will be rising out of Europe. I believe it is Rome again. I believe it is a revived Roman Empire. That is the seventh kingdom. In fact, you can turn over with me if you want, Daniel chapter 9, and I'll, and I'll read this to you. In Daniel chapter 9, beginning in verse 24, this is what Daniel is told. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city. A period of 490 years, if you know the prophecy of Daniel chapter 9, you know what this is about. I'm not going to go into all the details because it's another lesson all in itself. And I'll go into Daniel when we're done with the book of Revelation. I'll go into uh, uh, Daniel in, in more detail for everybody. But, but uh, 490 years are determined for your people, that's the Jewish people, for your holy city, that's Jerusalem, what for? To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy is done, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Uh, that would be a total of 69 weeks or 69 periods of seven years, 483 years. That number was filled exactly from the time that, uh, that Nehemiah received the decree to go and rebuild Jerusalem to the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey on Palm Sunday, exactly 483 years. The street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublesome times. That took place in the time of Nehemiah. And after the 62 weeks, in other words, the 7 plus the 62, after the 69, or after the 483 years, or after Jesus rode into Jerusalem 
on Palm Sunday, declared himself to be the Messiah. After he does that, the Messiah shall be cut off. In other words, we know from history, the Messiah would be crucified. He's going to be cut off. He's going to be killed is what this is teaching, cut off. But we knew he was crucified, but not for himself. He didn't do it for himself. He did it for anyone who would believe in him, right? And it says this, And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Who destroyed the city of Jerusalem? Rome destroyed the city of Jerusalem 70 AD. The people of the prince who is to come. So out of those people, the Romans, the Roman Empire, would the, will the future prince rise. And the, till the end of war and desolations are determined, verse 27, then he, this would be the Antichrist is going to rise up out of the revived Roman Empire, will confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. Uh, so what's going on there? It, it's a revived Roman Empire for the final week, the final seven-year period. At the middle of the seven-year period, the Antichrist uh, steps up and he's going to claim to be God. But the seventh, the seventh world empire is the revived Roman Empire of Daniel chapter 9. Uh, that's that one right there. The New World Order or the coming global government and a lot of this by the way is coming out of europe and i'll show you that in just a second too um, but the seventh kingdom we're told here is going to submit to an eighth kingdom what is that all about well the eighth is the antichrist the antichrist is a kingdom in and of himself uh, back in revelation Chapter 17, verse 11. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven and is going to perdition. Oh, remember what I said earlier? You have with uh, the Third Reich was a kingdom and then you could look and say, well, Hitler was also a king or a kingdom in and of himself. In that sense, when you look at the world powers, the world empires, this is how it breaks down. Uh, Egypt and Assyria are number one and two on that, that list that uh, I showed you a few minutes ago. And um, so you have the revived Roman Empire, and then the Antichrist is going to sit on top of it. The eighth power is the Antichrist and the kingdom of the Antichrist. He is described as the beast that was and is not. Okay, what's that about? This could be a reference to the Antichrist's seemingly miraculous recovery from a head wound, uh, which should have been lethal. He was and is not. Or it could refer to Rome, the kingdom that was, then lay dormant for several hundred years, and then is going to be revived, because we note that the eighth kingdom is also of the seven kingdoms. It's all, it's all part of it. This Antichrist that's coming, this leader. If the eighth is also of the seven, it sounds like definitely coming out of Rome. Now, all through Revelation, we get reminders that these powers are not permanent, and no matter how glorious they are at their high point, their end is worse. The beast, we are told here of this eighth king, this eighth beast, is going to perdition. This describes a person, uh, not a kingdom that's going into hell forever and ever and ever. This describes a person that's going into perdition, into eternal torment. So you guys follow me so far? Okay, good. Because we're getting near the end now. Verses 12, in fact, we're pretty close to the end now. Look at verse 12 and 13 again. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as of yet. So again, John is writing, uh, 90, 95 AD, you saw ten kings, they haven't received their kingdom yet. So now you've got all these different kingdoms going up. So who are these ten kings? They've received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. Wow. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. Interesting. Okay, you ready? Next question. What are the ten horns? I'm, I'm glad you asked. It appears 
that the revived Roman Empire will be a confederation of ten. Uh, people have said for years that uh, it'll be the European Union, it'll be made up of ten nations, and then that blew up to like 29, all these different numbers floating around. I don't believe it's the European Union as we know it. Um, I believe the European Union could end up being the revived Roman Empire, but I, I tend to lean toward the way what J. Vernon McGee used to teach is that uh, the world is going to be divided up into these ten different regions. And the Antichrist will sit on the top. And it could be ten leaders of the Western world that make sure all of these world organizations work correctly together. Here's one map that shows the world divided into ten different regions. I think that was the map that, uh, given out by the Club of Rome some years ago in the 1960s or 70s. Uh, here's another one. This is a more current breakdown of the uh, world broken into ten different kingdoms you have nafta uh so you have these different this is pretty much how the world the the attempts are at the world right now hold on one second please kleenex oh so so anyways so that's pretty much how the attempts are right now with the un to make sure the world is broken up into 10 different regions um when you see uh, uh, something like this, uh, the world broken up into ten different regions, it also reminds us of the, the statue that Daniel saw in Daniel chapter 2 when he saw previous world empires, Babylonian Empire, Medo-Persian Empire, Grecian Empire, Roman Empire. All, so the Babylonian Empire was Nebuchadnezzar, head of gold, Medo-Persian Empire, silver, uh, Grecian Empire, the bronze uh, thighs, and then the Roman Empire, the legs of iron. Now, in Daniel chapter 2, in the vision, the dream, excuse me, that Nebuchadnezzar had, what did he see? He saw the coming, the last day's world empire, and it was represented by the feet and the toes, the ten toes on the feet, made up partly of iron and partly of clay, partly strong but partly weak. If you look at Europe right now, you've got a partly strong and partly weak uh, Europe. If you look at the world right now, is partly strong and partly weak. As we watch, listen, we are watching this whole thing form right now, I believe. And uh, you can see there's going to be some strength. There's going to be some serious, serious strength in it. But there's also going to be some serious flaws uh, uh, with it. Um, this confederation of ten is going to be very, very, very short-lived because we know it's only going to last for a total of seven years. And... Um, even in that, when the Antichrist goes into power, he's not going to have his kingdom very long either. And so you look at it, it'll be very short-lived, very powerful, but it's also going to have some serious flaws in it. Uh, so much so that not all of the different nations in the world are going to be in agreement with this new world order. Uh, the, uh, Asia is not going to be wanting to submit to a Western world empire that's going to be rising up. And you know that from the Bible uh, Revelation chapter 16. We know from Daniel chapter 11 that there's many countries that are current Arab territories. They are not going to be submitting to the Antichrist in this uh, Western Empire either. So it's going to be partly strong. It's going to be partly weak. Uh, but what we can understand with our, the best of our ability about what is coming our way is this. There will be a new world order. I believe it's forming now in globalism. The New World Order will have 10 kings or 10 elite rulers. I believe there's some very elite, super rich people that are directing things like puppet masters uh, behind the scenes. And uh, that's the way I see it setting up, with them controlling everything. Um, it could be a puppet politicians that are put into place, too. Uh, the Antichrist will be the king over all 10 and over the entire kingdom. Now, let me show you this. As you look right now, uh, here's a picture of Donald Trump and uh, George Soros next to each other. You and I are watching nationalism and globalism on the international stage. We are watching the fights. Over in Europe, you're watching it with the yellow vest uh, riots that are taking place there. Here in America, we are watching. We have Antifa groups. We have all different kinds of things that are going on. So we're watching these things develop Again, it's nationalism versus globalism. If you, if you pay any attention to what's coming out of uh, different uh, places, especially in the West, um, Angela Merkel and, and over in Europe, uh, the whole Brexit thing, 
um, the arguments over there. Then you watch what's coming out of Washington. Uh, be, be, uh, you have the different, obviously different politicians with two different um, directions they want to take our country, right? And it's nationalism versus globalism. Uh, writer, uh, again, a writer that I read frequently, he wrote this. And he, he reflecting back in June of, uh, July of 2018, and then he updates this. He says, a writer named Baxter Dimitri recently reported that a bishop that lives at the Vatican, uh, uh, Athanasius Schneider, told the newspaper La Republica uh, around July 10 of 2018 that the Vatican has been infiltrated with globalist leaders that are determined to eradicate Christianity in Europe and the West. According to Bishop Schneider, one of their key tactics involves flooding European countries with migrants in order to dilute the Christian base and radically change national culture and identity. The article said Pope Francis is one of those leaders, and Bishop Schneider suggested that the globalists at the Vatican are being paid by George Soros. I mean, we hear that all the time. Um, Pope Francis and the religious globalists at the Vatican are conspiring with New World Order political leaders to establish an Antichrist world religion. This is a quote from this person writing from sources in the Vatican. And then this author says, I think I remember writing the above because the struggle over immigration and the wall on America's border with Mexico is about changing America's national culture and identity to establish a one-world government and religion. That's what a lot of people have the fear of. It's like, why are we taking down, why don't we want to have borders? It makes no sense until you start to put it in the context of Revelation chapter 17. The struggle, the UN, the Catholic Church, and George Soros are involved over a wall on America's border with Mexico is actually a struggle over changing America's culture. Finally, on February 10 through 12, 2019, it's just last week, the World Government Summit held its annual meeting in Dubai. I quoted a few things from that a minute ago. It was attended by political leaders from all over the world that are interested in world government. Technology and innovation were discussed among other things. Pope Francis addressed the group by video. He called for global unity, global religious unity, and support for the UN Sustainable Development Goals, the world government goals. He called for global, uh, uh, then he says this, think about it, a meeting called the World Government Summit to discuss three things that are major signs of the tribulation period. Technology, world religion, and world government. So you start looking at these things. You have Revelation chapter 17, and you go, you have the religion, you have the new world order, you have nationalism, you have globalism. We have all of these crazy things that are going on, and I personally can't help but think, man, we must be close. Last question. How does this part end? Uh, it ends good for us. Praise the Lord. Uh, let me reread this again. Verse 15. Uh, then he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind, and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. So we, we learned last time that the, the peoples, the multitudes, the nations, and the tongues is speaking of an all-inclusive global religion. But it's interesting here, we just find out that the leaders of the beast she rides, so you got the ten kings, and the, this harlot religion is riding this, this new world order. We're told here the ten horns which you saw on the beast um, is what my Bible says, but the NASB says it this way. And the ten horns which you saw and the beast, these will hate the harlot and will make her desolate and naked. I think that's a better translation. It means the ten kings will hate her, uh, but the beast is also going to hate her, and they will destroy this last day's religion. So this is what's going to happen. Uh, the, the, the beast, that's the, the, the New World Order, use the religious system. I said this at the beginning. Um, when they're done... They've gotten the world to agree. They're going to make sure that everybody in the world submits to the worship of the Antichrist. That is the direction that all of this is going to go. 
Even the false prophet who brings this whole false religion into place is going to get rid of this false religion because he's going to demand that everybody worships the Antichrist. Uh, what is the reason why um, the religion will be eliminated because her existence is incompatible with the Antichrist? If re you know Revelation chapter 13, all the, the Antichrist is going to demand and the false prophet is going to demand that all the world worships the Antichrist so there's not going to be any competitor. There's going to be no false religion at that time. It's going to be done away with uh, somewhere near the beginning or the, uh, the midpoint of the tribulation period. Reason two why this world religion is going to be eliminated is because God is sovereign. He says here, For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. This is amazing. God puts it in their hearts to raise up this kingdom, to even have this religious system. Isn't that crazy? Men think they're doing all this. Satan thinks he's doing all this. Ultimately, this is all part of God's plan. God said it was going to go. This is wild when you think about it. God is the one who is sovereign through all of this. But I skipped over one verse, just one. Will you give me five minutes? How about four minutes? Can I get three minutes? Okay, three minutes, verse 14. I skipped it over. These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them. For He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. So you have the ten kings who are going to give their power and authority to the beast, and they think they're going to eliminate the Lord. They are not going to eliminate the Lord. Here's the deal. Uh, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the Son of Man, Son of God, light of the world, light of life, rider on the white horse who leads his army. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Man could not handle him, death could not hold him, the grave could not cover him, the cross could not keep him. There is no other name under heaven by which a man can be saved. He is King of kings, he is Lord of lords. As John Phillips writes, the beast struts across the stage of human history as the great king, thinking he is the King of kings, but against him comes the Lamb of God, the King of kings, the Lord of Lords. Amen? Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. And uh, we pray that you would help us to remember this. We know how it all ends. Jesus wins. And if we're on the side of Jesus, man, we win. We thank you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Whoa, it got dark in here. That just freaked me out. There you are. I wonder what happened. Okay. I thought everybody disappeared or something. So, uh, listen, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Um, chapter 17 is a big chapter. Can't wait for chapter 18. We'll be done with Revelation soon. And then on to Daniel. I can't wait. But invite your friends next week. Olivier Melnick's going to be here. I mentioned that. It's going to be a great night. If Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.